Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 117, recorded on September 12th, 2019, where John and Jason talk to Chris Webb, Principal Program Manager at Microsoft on the Power BI CAT team, about Power Query, data consulting, community efforts, and his shiny new job at Microsoft. Good morning, Jace. Morning, John. How you doing today, buddy? All kinds of good. All kinds of good, man. My weather meter's recording all of the rain that's going on, so I'm watching Mine? data come in. Mine too, <laughs> man. It's uh, you know, we finally got rain for the first time since I put the thing up. What was it? A month or six weeks ago? We got significant rain yesterday when I wasn't oh, here. Oh, cool. Very good. So, I bet you know exactly how much rain you had. I can tell you how many lightning strikes I had <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty cool. I'm having a lot of fun taking a look at, our, at the weather data. I'm looking forward to getting to the point where we start to mash some of that stuff up for some of our real-time demo stuff that we're going to mm-hmm. do. Speaking of, John, you did a real-time session yesterday at the, what was it? It was the Power Platform World Tour in Toronto, right? Yeah, Power Platform World Tour Toronto. Yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoyed putting this one together. It's a new talk, and we'll be taking it to taking it on the road to other places, hopefully. I don't know if, if it's in already or scheduled yet for some of the upcoming ones. I'll have to check, but yeah, it's basically talking about all of the real-time options there are in Power BI, and it's it's not obvious that there are many. Everybody thinks you know all the refresh is the only way to go, and there are lots of different options. And this talk just dives into it in detail, so it was really well received, and I like the way it hung together. So I was pretty happy with it. Very cool. It's always fun when things hang well. So yeah, yes, it is. Speaking of talks, John, let's uh, let's cover off because we usually do this at the tail end of the show. Let's cover off for just a minute where people might be able to find us. What's going on? here coming up throughout the rest of this year. Today, John, you have a talk for the Utah user group. I believe you're doing that virtually. Because I think you yes, see you, right. you're in Toronto right now, so it's uh, kind of yeah, hard uh, to get yeah, down there. That might be tough to get there by 2 o'clock this afternoon, yeah. It's a deep dive on Power BI and SharePoint, topic near and dear to both our hearts, obviously. So oh, yeah. we'll be doing that again in a couple of weeks, two weeks, I think. At, uh, uh, next for week. The, next week for the, uh, oh yeah, it's already that far along, isn't it? Yeah. For the DFW user group, SharePoint user group, is that right? Yes, and that is a virtual yeah. user group that anyone's yep. invited to join. We're going to put a link in the show notes, and this podcast will drop before that event. So if you're listening, want to hear, want to see that talk, we don't usually do that talk for user groups. It's it's something you just decided that we were going to start doing because well, I think it's I good mean, to we, get we the information out there. Yeah, <laughs> this is you know brand new uh, content uh, to user groups that we're doing. And yep. the DFW user group you can come join us live. There's a chat function that uh, Eric Shups, who's the you know guy who's running all of that, is going to be monitoring, so you can ask us questions. And they also, if you join their user group, uh, the virtual user group, I believe it's something like 21 days or maybe it's a month later, they actually post the user group recording. So you, oh, cool. you know, if you missed it, you'll be able to go off and, and listen to it that way. I don't know all the details, but I know Eric does that. That's going to be Tuesday, September 17th at 2 p.m. Central. Yep. And then... Uh, Next up, I've got uh, SharePoint Saturday New England, which is Saturday, October 5th. Looking forward to that. Slammed that one right in between the Jewish holidays, so I'm ducking out and ducking back for that. (laughs) And then something that we're not involved in, but something that we're certainly going to be watching closely, is the new Microsoft Business Application Virtual Launch Event on October 10th from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Pacific Time. And again, we're giving you the time zones that these things are 
physically happening in. So yeah. you'll have to pay attention to what time zone it is because we're not being consistent with it because yeah. John and I live in two different time zones. <laughs> and a lot of our listeners actually come from down under. So uh, good day, everybody down there. That was the worst Australian accent I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I w- I, see, I wasn't trying to mock our Aussie friends. I was really trying to colloquially say hello. So Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't doing the whole this is a knife thing or trying to give an oh, accent. Oh, okay, just okay. A, yeah, that's not just a knife, a, yeah. Just a hello. Yeah, yeah. So have no idea what they're going to be announcing, John. I we, we expect it to be dynamics heavy. It'll be dynamics heavy. James Phillips is doing it. I believe it's it's not so much announcements as look at all of the things we've rolled out from the document they posted months ago saying here's what we're going to release in October. So I, I believe it's the all right, here's 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 all the new stuff. I don't know if they're gonna start talking about the next what they call semester or if that's gonna get saved till ignite. Don't know. Now, th- this is called a virtual launch event. So I imagine yeah. there's gonna be something that they're putting out there, whether effective that day or shortly thereafter, but they're not talking about announcements with it. They're talking about it being a launch event. Yeah. So the question is whether or not it's going to be anything we don't know about already. We'll we'll probably get access to some things that we did know were coming. That's why. Yeah. And just a a broader set of announcements for those who may not have been paying as close attention to everything or haven't been listening to this show all the time. But we expect there will be some Power BI content in there. They've said that. As well as some broader Power Platform stuff as well. Yeah. Flowing apps. The next one, and you and I are rather active at Ignite this year, John. Microsoft Ignite in Orlando. Jesus, it turns out, yeah. November 4th to the 8th, I think I have like seven things on my calendar. Yeah. It's going to be pretty active. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to the event. And we are still working uh, with uh, the guys from Guy in a Cube, as well as uh, our good sponsor you know, from Marquee Insights, Treb Gott, about trying to put together a happy hour. Uh, for that event. So keep an eye out for that. We'll let you know as soon as we've got something set in stone for that. It's still a little bit early to be announcing happy hours, um, but uh, we'll definitely be looking to do something. One of the fun things, maybe possibly for this audience, is uh, we'll be talking uh, for 20 minutes anyway on how we put this thing together. Uh, That's one of our topics is how to do a podcast. Or basically, you know, we're going to try to, if if anybody's ever been interested in doing their own podcast, you know, what's our experience been? How's have we gotten, well, we managed, we're we're over 100 episodes, well over 100 episodes now. So I suppose we're doing something right. Yeah, and uh, beyond that, it's also forcing me to actually work on some of the automation things I've been promising you I would do for a while. I've uh, (laughs) I've been working behind the scenes on some of that stuff. Cool. And very excited to, to actually start implementing some of it here before Ignite so we can demo that as well. But, you know, just the getting started, what were those experiences like and how did we do it? After all of that and all of the sessions, we'll list them into the show notes as well. I love volunteering you to write content for the blog post, John. It's a lot of fun for me. I've noticed that, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be at SharePoint Saturday Twin Cities. I know, unfortunately, you are not but, yeah, uh, I wanted to be, and I just can't make it happen. I really wanted to be at this one. It's a great one. I'm, you know, you're on the plus side, you won't have to experience the blizzard that will inevitably ha- be happening. Yeah, because it happening. always does happen, doesn't it? Yeah. Only when I'm there. Okay, uh, I okay, was there cool. at the one in March when they had the blizzard, and they've never had it before. And I asked them, I said, are you sure you want me to come? So I've got two sessions there. I'm looking forward to doing that event again. And then we close out the year in my favorite way. We're going to go to Chicago together in December, and we're going to do our workshop and a bunch of other sessions for SharePoint Fest Chicago. 
Yep. It's it's the Don't best forget, way to though, end the year. I'll be in Prague as well before uh, one week before that at uh, European SharePoint Conference. Well, there you go. You or did not SharePoint tell me to put that on the list. <laughs> I forgot to tell you to put that on the list, sir. <laughs> that is my bad. But yeah, that's uh, that's happening the week before uh, SharePoint Fest Chicago. Cool. The workshop's going to be there, and uh, uh, the real time. So it's either the real-time session or the data flow session. But one of the others is going to be there. Yeah. Alrighty. There's one bit of news before we get to our interview today. Uh, you'll notice we are not doing the desktop drop today. Unfortunately, timing just isn't allowing us to really give it the attention that we want to. Um, just work, you know, that that real work stuff, the day job. Yeah. So instead of doing a full uh, desktop drop conversation today, because there's a lot of stuff to cover, we're going to punt that to next week, and we will definitely cover it off then. Yep. But... Uh, Last week, they announced the new mobile app, Look and Feel. Yeah. It's have, you, nice. have you played with it yet? I've played with it a little bit. The one thing I, like- I can tell you is uh, I, I got asked this question three times, so that's why I wanted to bring this up. No, you still cannot create reports or modify. No. It is a viewing tool only. So And always that, will be. I yeah, think, that yeah. concept has not changed. They've just changed the look and feel of the tool, which makes it a lot nicer and, and, and sleeker. And it is easier to use. Yeah. Uh, one thing that the uh, that the post calls out is it's, it's much easier to change accounts. And as far as I've been able to tell, because I'm dealing with multiple tenants all the time, right? Oh, yeah. As far as I've been able to tell, it's exactly the same for changing accounts. So I... I I haven't seen any improvement in that area. You have to log out of the account you're in and log back into a new one, entering the creds every time, as opposed to even Teams is doing this job better, frankly, switching between your accounts and different tenants. So I still think there's some there's some work to do there. I, I much prefer the way, say, OneDrive has it. You register all of your accounts up ahead of time and you can just easily same with teams switch between them or even just make it transparent the way OneNote does right I can have OneNotes that I access from one account and another account it just knows and tells you which creds to use so I want to rant about that a little bit that's the, that keeps me from using the mobile app frankly yeah you know John I'll differ with you on this topic mm-hmm. for a moment because I believe I'd rather when it comes to insight data that mm-hmm. I'm trying to consume I'd rather need to make sure I'm looking at the right thing mm-hmm. With the right account, because for cu- for customers who have multiple tenants that they're logging into, because they're analysts for multiple vendors, yeah, multiple it's, companies. It's an edge case, I know. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's part of the reason is because you have to make sure you're logged into the right one, because you may have the same. You know, if you're if you're writing reports for somebody, you may have the different. You know, the different tenants with the uh. same report names. And the same type of data, and you got to make sure you're looking at the right stuff. Insights is just, it's just too important. So, well, I agree with you. It'd be wonderful to make sure, like, if there was a way to really display it and make sure you're in the right one. But unfortunately, I think that they're protecting people from themselves with this. I one. don't think that's the reason it's happening. I think it's because it's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give them credit. That it's, doesn't happen a, very often. So using a feature for governance, and you could use governance to deal with it anyway. Yeah, but right. it's, well, it's it's some, <laughs> it, it is what it is. <laughs> well, speaking of people who do a lot of hard things, we're getting to uh, to the interview now. Uh, yes. Chris Webb is a spectacular guy. Just joined yes. the Power BI Cat team when we sat down to this interview with him. He was like seven hours into the role and we were quizzing him asking him so what's your favorite part of microsoft and stuff like that (laughs) which was just a lot of fun for us but chris was a great sport he had a lot of good things to say so i think it's time that we go ahead and, and get to chris's interview let's do it feel uncertain about your power bi success what are the questions you need to answer to deliver value tumble road can help 
They will put you on the road to success with training, advice, and products that get you to value faster, just like they've done for other Fortune 50 customers. Download their free Power BI guide, packed with technical tips and tricks, at tumbleroad.com forward slash success. Hey, John. Jason, you holding up? So far, so good, man. We've uh, made it through all the sessions we're going to go to today. That's right. Here at Ambass, and it's been a whirlwind of uh, new stuff. And uh, I actually sat down and wrote a blog article for, for the post that we, we have that's going out. I was uh, impressed. I, for, I thought you might have forgotten how to do that. No, no, no. I, I remember. <laughs> I don't often do it, but I, yeah, I was kind of excited by a lot of the new announcements. So it's been a really cool day. I uh, got to sit through the, the Vision Keynote, and then uh, the last one I went to was about Power Query with Miguel Yopis. Learned a couple things. It was really It neat. wasn't designed to be advanced either. <laughs> well, there were some... There's always something you miss, right? When you do it, that was the Power Query, right? I was in the Dataflow one, uh, which was advanced. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah, Treb went to that when he was, we were going to catch up after the fact and, and exchange notes, I think. But the other one that we went, I went to, you didn't go to, you were doing a session at the time, was the Paginated Reports one. Right. Lots of great stuff in that as well. So we were getting together with uh, Chris and his team later on this week. But right now we have another Chris with us. So Chris, if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself to our audience. I'm Chris Webb. And um, well, this is the point where I pause and have to think about how I introduce myself because I'm new in a job. <laughs> I'm like just at the end of the first week of a job on the Power BI customer advisory team at Microsoft. So I've kind of given up my wild free ways of being <laughs> self-employed. And um, now I've, I've kind of taken the, the Microsoft dollar to you know, get new experiences, see brave new worlds, you know, kind of meet with like top big customers doing the difficult stuff. So it's a, it's a new challenge, it's exciting. I'm enjoying it so far, a bit overwhelming, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good fun. I bet you're gonna have a blast. Well, you're in good company. You've got, uh, I, I don't know if you have to give up the wild ways. We got, we got uh, Adam and Patrick yeah, and Matthew, Matthew are all on yeah. the chat Yeah, team, it's, so. a, it's a great team to work on. There's just so many, you know, so many really, really talented, knowledgeable people. You know, some of them kind of well-known in the community, like the guys you mentioned. Some of them people that, you know, don't maintain a public profile, right. but equally, equally very, very intelligent, very knowledgeable. And, um, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons I took the job, because, you know, you work on a team like that, you're going to learn so much. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you work on your own, like I like I did for 13 years, you're kind of on your own learning everything yourself. There's, you don't have anybody there to talk to or to, to kind of learn from. You've got customers, but you know, customers aren't like colleagues. So. <laughs> no, not the same thing. Yeah, you've, you've always got to appear knowledgeable in front of customers. Somebody told me once the rule for a consultant was that you don't know have to you don't have to know any everything, but you've always got to be six months ahead of your customers. Yep. Ah, there you go. I always uh, I always tell people just this much more than the people in the room. Yeah. And as long as you know just this much more, exactly. you look like an expert. Yeah. So. They're the line I always use, an expert is, is uh, X is an unknown quantity and a spurt is a drip under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more. You know, uh, you, you've just joined the team, but you've been doing this for quite a while. You said 13 years you've been... Well, well 13 I, years self-employed. I've been doing um, Microsoft BI since the beginning of Microsoft BI, pretty much, when I was, when I was still young and um, thrust I was, um, I thought you were a dirty mind. That's kind of like, what are you tittering about? All right, when I was still, still young and 
innocent. I, I just figured uh, you were thrusting up in, in the echelon. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where you were exactly. going with it, sir. <laughs> kind of like, like at, you know. at the very beginning of my IT career, I was just given a, a job on a project evaluating what became OLAP services back in about 98. Wow. And, um, you know, because I was like the, the lowest of the low on the team, I got the job of doing all of the calculations and learning MDX. And, um, you know, it turned out I was one of the few people in the world that really loved MDX. And I, I learned I think it. I, still are, I, think yeah. you, I think you may very well be. Well, yeah. It got a bad press. You see, MDX, I, I still love MDX. If I'm honest, I, I, I still love MDX more than DAX, wow. which is a controversial opinion. It's probably still more powerful. It is. It just it just had a, a bad press and, you know, people found it difficult to learn and all of those things, despite my best efforts to, to teach it to people. But uh, I kind of started there and got some really good experience there. And then I, I did a couple of years at Microsoft and kind of did some other stuff. And then 13 or so years ago, suddenly decided on a whim, let's set up as a kind of independent consultant. And um, then that just carried on for kind of 13 years until I got a little bit bored of what I was doing. I was doing lots and lots of teaching. And then, you know, a great offer from Microsoft came through. And then here I am. That's wow. excellent. Yeah, well, I, I know. I mean, I've. Well, this is the first time we've met at this show, mm. and but Chris and I have been corresponding back I, I, when Power BI first jumped into Office 365, and it was really just refresh for Excel data models. I jumped all over it, and I wanted to right on top of that. And Chris was always in, in the community as well. You, we were, there weren't many people doing well, it. No, not point. really, not really. And that, that's the great thing about conferences like this. You meet these people who you've kind of known for years and years. So like Saturday, I was doing a, an event in Alpharetta and I met Teo Lachev the first time. I know the and name, I, I've, I've never I've, met the I've man. known Teo virtually since like, yeah, about 2003, 2004. But this was the first time I've actually met him face to face, which is such a great thing. You know, it's, it's nice to, to kind of meet people at long last. Because not everybody, well, you know, I, I go to a lot of conferences and a lot of events and a lot of speaking. Not everybody does that. And, you know, conferences like this are the, one of the few places you get to actually go and, and meet people and, and kind of hang out with them properly, but which is good. And it's, it's a pleasure to meet you a lot. <laughs> as, I, as I said yesterday evening, you're a lot less a lot less serious in real life than your picture makes you. Apparently my picture makes me look old and serious. Yeah. yeah well, we've been telling you that for a while. Olivera <laughs> has been trying to convince you to change that picture yeah. for a little bit here, you know. But that's okay. I, yeah. The last time she made me change my profile picture, I took heat for that for like days. I had to take it down. Yeah, the trouble with people in IT is that we just don't have good pictures, do yeah. we? I mean, we, we have like, a great one of John on the roadside in Slovenia. Yeah, let's let's not go with yeah, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And, and, and that was Bosnia. I'm oh, sorry, Bosnia. Yeah, I yeah, apologize. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you that story later. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, that's not, not in front of the, the air kind of a story. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. So, um, so at this point, MDX, still something you're deeply engaged with? Well, up until last week, I, I was still <laughs> spending a, a little bit of my time doing yeah. MDX. There are, yeah, there, are, there are still people out there that do it. There's still some gaps that um, you know prevent people from migrating over to Tabular and DAX because mm. there are you know still some pretty complex types of calculation that you can do quite elegantly and easily in MDX that you just cannot do or can't do easily or elegantly in DAX. You know the kind of things you would do with scope statements in MDX you you just can't do as well in DAX. Some of the new features that are coming in DAX calculation groups part of the reason why everybody went completely nuts over the announcement of calculation groups in Analysis Services 2019 is that this is a feature 
in DAX that allows you to repeat a really, really useful pattern that people use with multidimensional, which is just this kind of um, time utility dimension or shell dimension, whereby you can basically just say, here are all of my measures. You know, I've got like 15, 20 measures. Let's write another calculation where I can kind of flip a switch and suddenly, instead of seeing the actual value for my measures, I'll see a year to date or a moving 12 month uh, value okay. or a, you know, a month on month growth. For you, all of yeah, you write the calculation once and it get, gets applied to all your measures or as many measures as you want. You know, oh, a lot of the awesome. problems people have with um, kind of doing enterprise level development with analysis services tabular is that you end up with, I mean, sometimes literally thousands and thousands of measures because you've got a core of base measures, you've got like 20 or 30, you know, maybe 20 or so time-based calculations, multiply the number of base measures by the number of time-based calculations you've got, you right. end up with a lot of calculations to maintain. And that's what calculation groups is going to solve. It's just going to allow you to create new calculations in a much more maintainable, more elegant way. And those are the kind of things that, you know, that's going to mean like a whole bunch of multidimensional people who couldn't migrate before will migrate in the future. You know, I, I, hope, we, I hope we carry on down that path, to be honest, because, um, you know, I, I love multidimensional, but I would love it if we could just migrate everything to Tabular and Power BI and get hold of all the cool new stuff that everybody's been getting excited about at the conference. Yeah. Are there any, uh, can you think of any uh, cases I, I don't know if they're necessarily feature-based. You've obviously just outlined one, but where is MDX still? Where would you want to go with uh, an OLAP-based cube versus a well, in-memory model? I'd say nowadays, probably the, the kind of last holdout of multidimensional would be financial applications, because with multidimensional, you've got you know features like parent-child hierarchies, mm. where you've got a kind of recursive structure, which is great for modeling things like a chart of accounts. Um, you've got features, not just scope statements, but things like unary operators, custom roll-ups that would allow you to do calculations on something like a chart of accounts. Not something that would be a measure, but something that controls how data aggregates up through a hierarchy using certain calculations. These kind of things really, really important for you know financial applications. Right back as well as another oh, yeah, multi-dimensional yeah. feature that, that's useful there. It's kind of hard to recommend multi-dimensional in almost any other use case because tabular is, is more than good enough. Uh, and there are a lot of things now that Tabular does, which multidimensional doesn't do or doesn't do as well. But yeah, financial applications is probably the last situation where I would say if you were starting a new project and you've got you know, certain requirements, maybe multidimensional would be a, a good option. Interesting. Yeah. So we're sitting here at the MBAS conference, and as you said, you got to go to the Vision keynote this morning. We did as well. Having been out in the field for as long as you have, uh, and now moving into your new role, the things that got announced today, what gets you excited about? What they talked about this morning? What thing? What, what was your highlight? What's you know, that you think customers are really going to be excited about? I mean, there's so much being announced. It's like it, it's really hard to even even kind of remember everything. I've yeah. got like a whole bunch of notes I need to go over Twitter and see everything. Um, one of the things that kind of really stood out for me, I did a conference. Well, as I said, near here on Saturday, and the session I did was about Q and A in Power BI, mm. and pretty much everything I highlighted on Saturday is being like a bit nah, a bit they should do better. <laughs> Actually, we should do better now. Sorry, yeah. wrong pronoun. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should do better has basically been fixed and announced in today's keynote. And so I've long been a fan of Q and A, but people have not really been using it in the real world. Not because the core technology is bad, but 
is a kind of combination of two things. Sometimes the, the execution has not been the best inside Power BI. And secondly, it's kind of one of those things that people see as a demo feature. Yeah. And they've kind of then said, well, okay, well, we'll just get back to our core thing of building reports and dashboards that the business wants. But, you know, I think we've now got to the point where actually it's really going to be worth people's while investing quite seriously in building functionality based on Q&A, being able to, you know, kind of let those less technical users, people who want to ask questions about the data without being able to go and build their own reports, just type a question, see an answer. You know, based on what I was seeing today, it looks like the last set of criticisms you could possibly make of it have all been dealt with really nicely. And I think now, now is the time that we should be thinking about investing time, you know, a couple of days building out some Q&A in our models and production, putting it out there and seeing what people like. It's interesting because, uh, and I totally agree, but I don't know what Jason's going to do at our all-day sessions because he usually takes about five minutes and rags on Q and A. Yeah, first day we do a section at the end called miscellaneous, mm. and which I've uh, affectionately dubbed "crap or not crap." Mm. And Q and A has been firmly in the crap pile for a while, and now yeah. there's nothing left to complain mm. about. Yeah, you know, the fact that uh, over the course of the past let's call it two and a half years, that's when Q&A really came around and, and became a thing. Yeah. They've trained enough models and the back end of it has gotten better and better. Mm. So it sort of started coming out of that space and you know, in my mind and becoming something worth taking a look at. And as Justine has been demonstrating over the course of the past year, the more they've been focusing on ML mm. and partially on the AI stuff. Yeah. I'm still not bought into some of the AI stuff that, that's there yet, yeah. but the ML stuff seems to be really interesting. What I saw today was really cool. The thing you know, we always associated when, when we talk about it, Q&A with the Cortana side of things, mm. because there was that whole Cortana demo yeah. side. Yeah. And it feels like, well, number one, Cortana's dead. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, you saw Siri like on stage today. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's still, there still is Cortana baked under the hood in Windows, mm. I think, yeah. somewhere, but I've never bothered to use it. I think know. it's called Search. Yeah. 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 Well, we saw, you know, some stuff in the Apple keynote last week, with the, you know, when they did their worldwide developer conference where they're focused on the usability side of things and speak to it. Mm -hmm. And then today, when, when uh, Amir came up and started talking <laughs> to Siri and yeah. asking to see a report. Yeah. Uh, that, that's demoware. Uh, let's mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, open this one report that I know the name of the report mm -hmm. and then I'm good. Yeah. Like, again, but... That, you put that, that together with Q&A, then it's going to like, you know... I'll be interested to see if the integration gets to that point. Mm. But just the alone be able to pop in the new Q&A visual. Yeah. And the thing that was really impressive to me was the new setup experience around synonyms mm. and the fixture problems. Yeah. That was yeah. when they yeah. did that. I was sold. That was exactly because the fact that number That's one, right. they're, they're they're tracking the the mm -hmm. things that come back false. Yeah, and we can go in and fix them. Yeah, that was such a big missing feature. Yes, but yeah, you know, right. When I was I was teaching kind of introductory three day Power BI sessions. I would probably only ever spend about five minutes on, on Q&A at the end, probably because there was just so much other stuff to take in. Yeah. And in fact, one of my one of my new colleagues, kind of when I saw me on Saturday and asked me what I was talking about, I said Q&A. He said, can you really spend an hour on Q&A? Well, you can. I mean, as soon as you start looking at stuff like the linguistic schema and phrasings. Yeah. Which and, you don't have to look at that anymore. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Nice. But um, it's just like a tiny bit of Power BI overall. But actually, it's it's like a big, big topic in itself. 
which you know Power BI itself is just exploding and um, it, it brings more interactive to the interactive yeah, reports right exactly. it's not what you traditionally think of as a report that mm. flat green bar thing yeah. no it's I mean it, it's you know the idea of an interactive report is you click on it well now you mm. speak to it and yeah. the more we can do that the yeah. more interactive value we yeah. get out of it yeah and it's also important not to di discount it as demo where yeah. because all right okay even if it doesn't get used in the real world, and I hope it does get used in the real world, you've got to have features like that to sell something, haven't sure. you? You know, as, as I see people, we get a bit snooty about some of these things. But actually, <laughs> you know, you kind of like go to top management, you show them your beautiful data warehouse you've been working on for years, mm. and just how you like tune that stored procedure. It's like go straight over their head. They're yeah. not interested in that. That's right. Show them a pretty report and like, oh, I type a question that gives me an answer. Oh, you know, here's $50 million to go and do whatever you you want. I want that like nice feature, and you know that that's an important thing to do. Well, it's like Miguel's demo, and we we have a, a, a similar one. He starts out with a pivoted, kind of misshapen mm. summary table, and makes it useful with Power Query. Yeah. And, and when, the moment he clicks, and we get the same thing. The moment he clicks on those two columns and says unpivot other columns, mm. and it just all works, yeah. you get gasps from the audience. Yeah. So that's that's the sort of thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. We definitely have to have the shiny things for the executives to, to want to buy in. But I don't think the Q&A is in that category anymore. I don't think mm. we can... I don't think we can put it there. I think yeah. that it's going to be a thing that I still believe firmly that common language query, yeah, well, well, I always messed up. Natural uh, language. Natural language, language query, I, was, yeah. I was going down. KQL, sorry. Common data model, sorry. natural language yes, query. Yes, yes, okay. The natural language query is not very natural to me, mm. but now we have type ahead and yeah. it, making the suggestions, and that has yeah. made a world of difference. People uh, are used to talking to assistants too, right? Yeah. Your yeah. Uh, Alexa and Google, the whole yeah. it's, become, it's becoming a lot more pervasive. So. And if, even if we're not there yet, it's you know one more step along the road to actually having something that, that works well. Yeah. And even if that takes another couple more years, we've got to we've got to go through that process to be able to get there ultimately. And it's you know I think it's an achievable goal, definitely. Yeah. I'm glad that you know we, the royal we, is <laughs> you know investing in it and, and stuck with it as long as we have. Yeah, I think that it's gotten trained up enough to mm. where it's going to be really useful. I'm excited to see yeah. it in the field. So all along, I've kind of known you as the Power Query guy. Right, there's the M guy, right? You've yeah. written a number of yeah, books yeah, on yeah, that, yeah, right? Absolutely. I don't know how many are, uh, or how well, recently. I've written a, a book on okay. Power Query. I think I, I did the first ever book on Power That's Query. That's probably why we have that perception. Yeah. yeah, which was probably a little bit too early to market. It was before anybody really cared about it. It was before Power BI and, and all that took oh, off. Was it that long ago? Yeah, it was like, it was called Power Query. Oh, it's with, with Power Query Excel. Was Power BI in Excel. That's but right. But it was like old Power BI. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Version yeah. one Power BI. Yeah. yeah. So it was a good long time ago. Can I update it? I would. Uh, <laughs> well, um, there are various plans afoot. Some people I know uh, are kind of thinking about writing a book about M. The trouble with writing books nowadays is because um, Power BI moves so fast, writing a book. It's a oh, bit yeah. of a kind of hopeless exercise. You know, when I was writing that Power Query book, I had to redo the screenshots three times yep. before I then realized actually there was no point taking the screenshots until the very last minute. And that was at a point where things were moving nowhere near as quickly as they are today. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, nowadays I, I'm not really sure whether it's it's worth people's while writing books mm, because the books themselves 
they're so they're, they're they're out of date so quickly. And you know the, the thing about tech books that I think anybody that's written a tech book, anybody on the inside of the the kind of tech industry knows, is that writing tech books is is kind of like vanity publishing. You yep. know, nobody makes any money <laughs> from writing tech books unless you're the the person who writes you know, like tons and tons and writes like a, a book on something like Excel VBA that lasts for years and years yeah. as a massive market. You know, if you wanted to make that amount of money, you wouldn't spend six months sweating over writing a tech book. You'd go and work in a supermarket sacking shelves. You'd earn more money than you would do from royalties there. You know, what you do is you write a tech book, it gives you reputation, and then you profit from consultancy and training after the issue is that that you only get the reputation while people buy the book and get and read it and think wow he knows what it's talking about if, if somebody buys a book and the book's out of date yeah. then they'll just think oh this is a bit rubbish you know this screenshot's wrong I can't can't click here yeah. or there's this new feature which then doesn't give you that kind of benefit and then you think well what's the point of writing a book you know yeah. I, I love I don't love writing books I find <laughs> writing books very very strenuous but I like the idea of long-form writing mm -hmm. because I think compared to just bits in. of blog posts you can really dive in and you know join everything up it's just in the you know with the, the pace of change with a product like Power BI now I'm not sure yeah. apart from a couple of subjects like DAX and M which don't change so much and you don't have the issues with screenshots and right, so on and yeah. um, whether it's even it's even possible to write a book on that anymore without, you know, without it being out of date immediately you know, as soon as the book's published. He wrote a book on BI and SharePoint. How do you think he feels? Oh, I, I had to rewrite it three times because yeah. this was with Power Pivot, and they three times because they changed it three times before we could get the dang thing written. <laughs> we had to redo all the script, everything. Yeah, and now it's all gone. So yeah, and it was a wonderful, horrible experience yeah. of uh, writing a book. We published it, and I wanted it to say third edition because mm. it was the third time. <laughs> it only got published once, so I had a copy of a book called Power, um, "Bi with Silverlight." So, oh um, yeah, yeah, there was a decent amount of that in our book as yeah. well. So wow, yeah, the pace of change is just crazy. I mean, it's you know, even for somebody like me, where I I kind of like to think I'm a I'm a pretty mega fan of Power BI, I like to keep up to date. Just like with the sessions I've seen today, I feel completely overwhelmed. The yeah. sessions I've not seen, you know, you end up feeling anxious thinking you were talking about that session with Miguel, which was on at the same time as the session I was in, yeah. which was a worthwhile session for me to be in. And now I'm thinking, what have you learned in that oh, session yeah. with Miguel? What have I missed? Is there going to be a video? I'm going to be able to watch it? It's like... I think well, they're all recorded. No, I hope they are. Yeah, but then I'm going to have to find time to watch them. And yeah. um, I so think that's the problem. You yeah. always go back, oh, I'm going to watch all these, hmm. you know. Just, yeah, you know, you exactly. get all the content and, together, and, and, yeah. and I think it, it, it's a problem that, well, again, we with Microsoft, we, you know, we've got to tackle because the traditional ways that people would have learned technology in the past, where mm. there was an ecosystem of people who would write books, mm -hmm. write courses, write blog posts that had a shelf life of like two years in that old technology cycle that we we're used to from tools like SharePoint and SQL Server, where there was a, you know, there, there was a kind of set way of doing things for the community, you know, for the material that Microsoft would put out. The pace of change, which is great, just completely invalidates those old ways of yeah. learning. And nobody's really kind of got to grips with how to 
how how to kind of teach in the, when there is when there's a moving target. Well, you see new things. I mean, you you mentioned blogs. I mean, that's that's mm. where I well, that's what I do. Yeah. Right? That's how I got my MVP in the first place. But there's, uh, you look at what uh, Adam Saxon's doing, Guy in a Cube, mm. right? That's a, that's a kind of a hit. Mm. That you know, here's the 10, 15 minutes of bite size of this, yeah. bite size of that, and that does lend itself to this new, new environment. I'm, mm. I'm not actually a big mm. video fan in terms of learning. I'm much rather. Yeah, I think read, we're, we're a bit too old for video. I think but that might people, have something to do with it. People tell me that the millennials love video. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, it just takes too much attention span for me. It, it, yeah. You have to, you know, get to we, the point. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we exactly. do the podcast. Is you know. For, for two reasons. Number one, we realized that, well, I guess the three, there are three reasons. Number one, we were doing the conversation anyway. John and I were talking all the time, and we realized we should just turn on our recorder because mm -hmm. it might be helpful for somebody else. Uh, number two, we get an opportunity to talk with folks like you that yeah. other people out in the world don't ever get a chance to meet and wouldn't actually get a chance to hear from uh, people you know, in the community who they're not close to. We interviewed Marco Russo earlier today. Yeah. And you know, the conversations- I've never met Marco. It's forcing us out of our normal space and going off and having these conversations to be able to see what's going on. And the third one is it forces us to stay up on what's going on in the yeah. world. Honestly, if we weren't doing the podcast, I, I'd be six exactly. months behind all the time. Yeah. So, but this or I'd be way, missing things. But one of the things we do religiously every every month there's a desktop drop. We just mm. go through it point by point. Well, yeah, and that's the thing I love about what Amanda Kofsky does yes. with the desktop blog post. I, I, I love it too. You know, and, I don't and have to. Everybody says how much they love the videos she does, and yes. they always complain when it's not Amanda doing it because she does it so well. Everybody does it. You know, you see the blog post, you make that time to watch the video, and it's like, yeah, okay, now I know what the new features. Oh. But again, kind of video, it's a good way of getting the news, but it's not training. It's That's not right. the same thing as a kind of long form book would give you. It's not the same thing as a training course would give you. And you know, all of those people writing training courses, whether it's at Microsoft or you know, other training providers, you know, that kind of written content, that, that's just completely out of the window. You know, when I was, well, again, up till last week when I was doing training, I'd basically just given up trying to update slides. You know, I had some slides, and it was then, it then got to the point where, you know, the night before a training course, I'd have to go through and update all of the slides. And eventually I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to ditch the slides. I know the content. I'm just going to talk for however long it is and just do the demos and show people the latest stuff. Because trying to update some fixed content, it was just completely pointless. It was a big waste of time. And if people were kind of then saying, can I have the slides afterwards, they would be looking at them in a couple of months when they were out of date. Out of date by then, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. I've gotten to the point where anytime I do intro to Power BI stuff, mm. I, I have one slide. And we, we have a SharePoint audience that we, we talk to most of the time. So there's the, the, here's what's not in SharePoint anymore from a BI perspective. And now we're going to show you how you do it. Yeah. And it's one, there's only one slide and that's it. And everything else is pure demo for, for a straight hour, hour and a half. And it's my favorite session to do at this point. Because I've just got, I've got some demo content that I decide which one I'm going to do. And I pulled the audience, ask questions. And, but the stuff that we saw today that's coming, desktop stuff that just dropped today and the mm. stuff that they're they're focused on. I'm super excited by yeah. what I saw. 
There's only one thing, and I haven't gotten a chance to play with it yet. I don't know if you've touched it yet or not. I really loved the increased point size across the entire visual. Oh, yes, mm. That was yeah, really nice. A lot of that was kind of new to me. I've, I'm, oh, I still, yeah. like, it's the end of week one. I haven't had my initiation into the, all, the, <laughs> all of the secrets. So, you know, I know basically what I knew yeah. last week. The, the one that I'm hoping to see inside of there, and I haven't tried it yet, is being able to shift click multiple visuals and be able to say, mm. increase the point size, just yeah. hit the up arrow. Yeah, you should them. be able to do it. So yeah, it's the office ribbon now, which yeah. is really yeah. exciting be because yeah. so now it pervasive. It's pervasive across the entire mm. canvas, supposedly. I'm interested to see how the plumbing works yeah. to be able to see if that yeah. happens. So. It's, it's like fundamentally good decisions, you know. I yeah. mean, even even when I was outside Microsoft, the, the most heartening thing to see was you know Microsoft spending its vast piles of money and resources on doing something good like Power BI, something that appeals to that core Microsoft audience, and you know, doing it well. It's so nice to see Microsoft do something so well and just have so much success. Yeah, it's true. So, and one of the things that I find fascinating is the fact that they are listening. Sorry, yeah. oh, you, yeah. I'm using mm, the wrong product. Yeah, sorry. You are now listening. Mm, Y'all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and to that end, when, as we start to wrap up here, because we don't want to take up all of your time, I know you uh, have other places to be. One of the things that we do religiously, almost every show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah, you know, lapsed religiously. Yes. Or, you know, yeah. uh, is try and highlight user voice items. Mm -hmm. And we've given you a little heads up that this was something we were going to yeah. do. And you had something that you thought was worthy yeah. of uh, mention. This is one of my personal hobby horses. I've kind of blogged about it. I promote it all the time. So. Analyze in Excel is a great feature of Power BI. Yep. It means that you can query all of those, all of the interesting data in your data set in Power BI from Excel using pivot tables and cube formulas and so on, which I think is great. You know, Power BI Desktop is a great tool for building reports and dashboards, but sometimes people like Excel. Everybody, you know, knows Excel, yep. yeah. and there is a certain type of user that you know, prefers to use Excel. And there are some use cases, again, for kind of doing financial reports where things like cube formulas, which are not quite so well known. If you've never heard of cube formulas, go and just Google Excel cube formulas. Oh, yeah. And they're great for building certain types of financial report that you just cannot do any other way that Power BI doesn't do so well. So analyzing Excel is great. The problem with it is that when you publish an Excel workbook that, that has an Analyze in Excel link up to the Power BI service, the link doesn't work. It right. works on your desktop. It doesn't work when you've published a Power it's BI, even though like your that. Excel workbook is in Power BI and your data set is Power BI, Excel and Power and, BI and Power don't BI link to, to each other. Exactly. You can publish that, why can't Which, Excel work? You know, it's that, that last missing thing. So I, there's a, an item that I put on Excel user voice because I've heard that it's a, something the Excel guys need to do. And it's something like the, the third most popular thing on the Excel online user voice. I think my kind of champion of the issue might have something to do with the votes, <laughs> but more votes are always good. We're, we'll, um, we'll do our best yeah. to add our voices. But as soon yeah. as you get that, it then really just means that you've got the complete story about using Excel as well as Power BI desktop yeah. as a tool for querying the data in Power BI. And, you know, it's just, Another, another option, another option, and you know, I, I still love Excel. I still love Excel. There are many who do, yeah. and you know how to use it the right way <laughs> as <laughs> well, a yeah, tool. Using it with Power BI <laughs> right, is, exactly. is, you know, it, it, it avoids so many of the things that gives Excel reports a bad name. Right, that's it. Cool. 
I think we're good. Yeah. Cool. Anything it's else you wanted to add, sir? Um, not really. <laughs> um, thank you for having me. It's been it's a pleasure speaking pleasure. to you. Thanks for taking the time. It's a, it's a bit of a hectic day, so. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think I need to go and lie down before the <laughs> evening starts. <laughs> I hear that. I agree. All right, sir. Well, thanks again. And cool. we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks Definitely. a lot. Take care. Thank you. This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tigraph, the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tigraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tigraph today. Sign up for a free trial at Tigraph.com. Man, it was really nice to get to meet Chris finally after all these years of knowing who he was and corresponding with him on Twitter, etc. But uh, never having met in person. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. You know, it was the tail end of a very long week at MBAS. And that is our last ep- uh, interview to drop from MBAS. It was great to get to meet him. I'm looking forward to refreshing that interview once he's been in role for a while. It was definitely... Yes. Uh, a, a very early on conversation, but he's been in the community for so long. Been He'd been doing consulting for so long. It was good to just get his perspective on the community and on all of those things as well. So I really enjoyed getting to chat with him. Absolutely, man. Well, with that, John, we do need to wrap out here. So we need to get to picks. And for those of you who didn't see it on Twitter this past week, we got called out. We got asked why we aren't posting our picks to Twitter. So we're starting to do that when we drop the episode. And this is part of the automation work that I'm uh, working on doing is yep. we will be putting our picks out there uh, so you can go off and more easily find them rather than having to just go to the blog. Although we'd love it if you went to the blog as well. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, make it easier for you. So I'll go first this time because I Hit found it. one that I really liked, which was uh, I'm trying to stay in the vein of uh, of data preparation, which is Chris's area of expertise with Power Query, having talked with Marco the week before about all the DAX. I know. We got, we, we got, the, we got the big heavy hitters on, on both both on DAX and Power Query we, back to back now. So that was cool. sort of the goal there, John. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we, we get to have a little bit of fun doing that. But uh, this one is edit data table from relationship view window. And this is something I personally have, uh, have experienced. In the current relationship view window, we can delete a table from the model. It would be nice if we could right-click on the table and edit the query for the underlying table. This would immediately open up the query editor for the data table changes. Today, you have to switch views to the table, click edit on the table, or navigate to the query button, and then click edit queries. Doing this opens the queries, but you still have to navigate to the table you want. It'd be nice if we could just click on it, right-click on it, and open that table. So that one, uh, I believe, had very few... uh, views are very few likes on it as well or votes yep. uh, it has 21 now after i voted for it and hopefully 22 after you uh yep. to your vote so let's go vote this one up this is, feels like an easy change that would be really nice to have i agree man that's that, uh that's definitely a good one and uh mine's a little slightly more technical in nature but uh a memory consumption indicator is the title of it. I'll just read the description. There should be a way, uh, there should be a way embedded into the Power BI desktop or the Power BI service to figure out the actual uncompressed memory footprint. This doesn't seem to be rocket science and would save a lot of headache. It would allow analysts to discover how inefficient their data models are. Notice he didn't say efficient their data models are. It would ultimately help the Power BI infrastructure as well by helping people avoid loading the Power BI servers with unnecessarily workload. And that's, that, that's true. It would be nice to know what you're dealing with. As right now, about the best thing you can do is save a PBIX file to disk and have a look at how big it is on disk to get a guess. But um, knowing how much memory your model is using is kind of, is quite critical, especially when you're dealing with premium capacity or, or dedicated capacity.
capacity. Because as you know, when we're using dedicated capacity, we have a certain amount of memory allocated. And if we're going beyond that, we may not be able to refresh our data model. So that may tell us that we need more capacity, or we may need to make our data models uh, more efficient. So a tool like this, something that was in your face would be would be very welcome. Yeah, John, I'm going to add on to that, because mm. I think it'd be really nice to actually, and by the way, I voted for this uh, at this point. It's down to 48 votes, uh, which feels low. So hopefully it, we'll it get, is get low. people yeah, to get out it, there it and vote. More. Yeah. But It'd be really nice if, if there were a dual indicator, one for the memory pressure, but also yeah. one for the size of the model. Yes, because that's, that's true. not yeah, obvious. Yeah. Like in Power BI Desktop, if I want to go hit publish, it doesn't tell me until it gets to the end, at least this is the experience I've had, that model's too big. And the, yeah. the error message wasn't super clean. If I had a, something that showed me, hey, this, you're, you've approached, you got a little too yeah. far, like yeah. some, some sort of meter that gave us memory. Uh, uncompressed memory pressure on and you know, compressed, yeah, yeah, and the compressed model size. Totally I think agree. that would be massive. Yeah, so. we need it, so let's do it. All right, sir. Go well, hope for it. <laughs> let's uh, let's get people voting. We'll get that out there on the twitters on the line and make sure that people can get to that. Exactly. All right, my friend. With that, it is time to get going and get back to work. I look forward to talking to you all about Power BI Desktop next week. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. And, uh, I will be out in Redmond next week. I'm going out there Ooh. for. Uh, for an event, so and I'm heading to Virginia this weekend, so I'm bi coastal this week. Oh, you're bi bi coastal. I'm, yes, I'm I'm cutting down trees this weekend, so it, it, we we have a different experience. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right, brother, you take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man, take care. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons. 